freak out, yeah. The following podcast contains mature content. The views and opinions expressed by the co-host are not necessarily those of the host. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the Smackin' It Raw podcast with your hosts, Matt Ritter and Travis Pointer. Oh, yeah. Dig it. I am your host, the warden Matt Ritter, and I am here with my co-host, Sir Cussalot Travis Pointer. This is the Smack and Raw podcast, episode 54. Travis, how are you today? That just might be my favorite thing that you've ever done in your life. Was that good? I enjoyed it, but I have a history with it with you, so that's why I enjoy it. They won't know why I enjoy that so much, and I'll leave it at that because I'm not going to tell that. Cause I just I won't do that to you, but that made me so happy. <laughs> the question is, how was the impersonation? Oh, it wasn't good, but that's not the point. Okay. It didn't have to be. Okay. It didn't have to be. We well, got it. We uh, knew what you were trying to do, so that's enough. When you when you're entertaining the macho man, you don't have to do it well. You just need people to know what you're doing. There's going to be a slew of impersonations uh, that are probably just as bad in the coming weeks. Doesn't so, matter as long as people know what you're trying to do, it's good enough. All right, uh, today, Travis, we are going to talk about SummerSlam 1994 on episode 54 of the Smack and Raw podcast. Now, but first, we you told me to watch this, and I yes, told I you I was going to watch it on Monday. Now, what would you say if I told you I forgot? That we're going to talk about ready to rumble instead. I mean, I didn't I forget. I'm just asking what you would say if I told That's you. That's exactly what I'd say is we're going to talk about ready to rumble instead. Ugh, it's, let's not do that. I'm glad I watched. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here's the All thing. Right, it's the... not even like I don't like ready to rumble. I just don't feel like talking about it. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know how to help you with that because one of these days we're going to talk about ready to rumble. You can talk to yourself. I kind of feel like I do that on the podcast all the time anyway. So um, right off the bat with the news, they released a documentary on the WWE Network. Uh, It's more like a mockumentary for Elias. I have not checked it out yet, but I want to check that out. It looks fairly entertaining. Um, Grandmaster Sexay, Brian Christopher, and Nikolai Volkov have both passed away. Yeah, Brian Christopher, suicide, right? Yes. And what about Nikolai? I believe natural causes. Natural causes, yeah. He was old as fuck. Um, shit, dude. I don't know, man. Wonder what's going to happen, because I know um, the King had a live appearance coming up pretty soon. Um, that I have tickets to. Oh, the one with him and JR? Yes. Kate and I will be going uh, August 23rd. Okay, it's further away than I thought. Yeah. Um, I thought it was like next week. but um, Well, they, I think they have one next week, and then the one in Chicago is on the 23rd. So I see. So we'll see what happens with that. But, shit, even if he does cancel, I mean, you got you to gotta understand that. It's just, oh, absolutely. Like, Yo, my son just died, y'all. Like, I can't really. Yeah, no, there's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a very sad thing. Uh on behalf of the Smack and Raw podcast, rest in peace, both Nikolai Volkov and Brian Christopher, a.k.a. Grandmaster Sexay. Definitely. Uh, last bit on the news, Travis. We talked about this a few weeks ago, how WWE cock-blocked Ring of Honor into getting into Madison Square Garden. Yeah. 
they've been uncock blocked and Ring of Honor New Japan will be running a show WrestleMania weekend at Madison Square Garden. Hmm. Okay. What's interesting about this is I was listening to uh, Talk is Jericho and he was with Mark Henry and they were discussing how Madison Square Garden isn't really the home of WWE anymore. It's become the Barclays Center. Yeah, yeah. They they do the stadiums there now. They really don't. They only run Madison Square Garden for house shows now. So my question is, is this the end of the era of Madison Square Garden? Because there are so many classic, memorable Madison Square Garden moments that we're not going to get with house shows. Yeah, but at some point they're going to reclaim the garden with the big Monday Night Raw or something like that. So I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because a lot of places like Madison Square Garden, like the Joe Louis Arena, have all shut down. And my understanding is one of the reasons they haven't been running the garden is because everything is so expensive to do uh, and complicated to just get stuff in there and build a ring and everything. And then with the unions, it's impossible to get anything done. It takes all day to build everything in there. Like It's just a bigger pain in the ass and more money than it's really worth for the name recognition value. Um. The Raw after WrestleMania this coming year, where is it? Not at Madison Square Garden, and neither will the Hall of Fame. No, WWE is running absolutely nothing in the Garden this year, or WrestleMania week. That's interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Speaking of Monday Night Raw, uh, we kicked off Monday Night Raw with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. Let me just we don't deserve Paul Heyman all right like it's just all night is just the whole time I'm watching him like there is no reason why you should be this good like fuck next tournament you do in the group needs to be the best managers of all time I'm not saying Paul Heyman would win it but I'd like to see how that goes well the next one we're doing is best GM and then after that we can either do best faction or best manager yeah. Okay. Um. So, as you're talking about, Paul Heyman comes out and says Brock's in the building, but he will come down to the ring when he feels like it, if he feels like it. Blah 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 blah. Um. Kurt Angle showed up and said, "Listen, Paul, if Brock doesn't go to the ring, and this answered a question that you brought up last yeah, week, yeah, and it's a very shitty answer, but go ahead." Finish what you're saying. He said that Paul Heyman will be fired because even though Paul Heyman works for Brock Lesnar to promote Brock Lesnar, he has a WWE contract. So he can still be he can still be Brock's advocate, just not for the WWE. The fuck does that even mean? Like <laughs> that means you can do whatever you want to do, but you can't step into a WWE ring and talk about Brock Lesnar. You're not gonna get paid by WWE to talk about Brock Lesnar. And that's exactly what happened with James Ellsworth last week. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, <laughs> when you hire somebody to be your manager, like, you know, like LeBron James's agents and managers and all that, they don't work for, well, now the Lakers. They work for, they work for LeBron James. Or, like, you know, use an example that you'll be more familiar with. You know, whose ass do you kiss? Tom Brady. Um, you. Like Tom Brady's manager and agent or whatever, like they don't work for the Patriots. They don't have a contract with the Patriots. Their their contract is with Tom fucking Brady. 
but the difference is those managers don't come out on in the middle of an NFL game and promote Tom Brady to the masses or LeBron James or any other athletes manager is a manager is not an advocate and is not out there in the games front and center on TV for those sports and syndicated programs. That's my point. See, the thing is with that, he can do everything that he's doing right now and strictly do it through like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and shit and still be effective without working for WWE in that ring. So if I was Paul Heyman, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> like, See, now that is a good point, except for the fact that Brock Lesnar requires Paul Heyman to go do shit for him because as he made it clear throughout the night, including his conversation with Paul, he does not give a shit about the fans. He does not give a shit about the WWE universe. He doesn't want to be there. He'd rather be at home sitting down, reading whatever magazine he was reading and not in the building. Mm -hmm. And it's Paul's job to go out there and do what he wants him to do. They are not friends. Paul works for him and he needs to do what Paul wants him to do. And what he wants Paul to do is go to that ring and be his presence so that he doesn't have to bother with it. And see, here's the thing. They are really, really trying hard to make us dislike Brock. Don't have to try that hard. And the problem with that is what they're doing right now is actually making me like Brock even more. Because at least I, he's not even lying about it. He's like, look, this is what I am. I'm here to get paid. Fuck you. <laughs> and you know what? I respect it. Until he put his hands on Paul Heyman, told Paul, we're not friends. You work for me. And then came down to the ring and grabbed Paul Heyman by the throat and choked Paul Heyman to the ground, which... I am going to predict is not going to be good for Brock Lesnar because even though he may not be the kind of guy that can punch you in the face and knock you out, Paul Heyman is not someone you want to fuck with. Here's the thing with that, though. You, you, yeah, he did come down to the ring and do all that, but he did come down to the ring. So Paul Heyman didn't get fired. He at least knows that he needs Paul. He might not like it, but he knows. That's another thing. Like, you know what, Brock? I get it. I get it. You know where your bread is buttered. Fuck did everybody else, but you did keep your boy from getting fired. Did he come down because he needs Paul Heyman, or did he come down because Paul Heyman and Kurt Angle went on a rant about how Brock Lesnar is the worst WWE champion of all time and does not deserve to be champion and pretty much just insulted him, which is why I believe Kurt Angle got an F5 for his issues with Brock Lesnar. I think Kurt Angle would have gotten an F5 regardless, but um, I'm – I'm still saying that Brock went down because he still did. He didn't want his manager, his agent, his advocate to get fired. All right. Well, two things that are important from this uh, whole segment, the crowd actually chanted, we want Roman. And I didn't mention it, but earlier on in the night, Roman Reigns was removed from the building per Stephanie McMahon. And then on his way out, he punched Baron Corbin in the face. He sure did. So, he was not able to come down, but they actually got the fucking crowd to chant, we want Roman. And it was a live chant. It was not a Hulu chant. Yeah, yeah. When I heard it, I'm like, are they actually chanting this or is this piped in on Hulu? But no, no, no. It was it was real. Okay. And the thing is, like they did that. They, they, they did it well. They got them to chant for Roman. They, they put it together quite well. They had them like, you know, Escorted out of the building, but then he knocked out Baron Corbin first. They had Brock be a piece of shit all night. And so most people would cheer against him 
in that situation. It makes sense. I wouldn't just because, you know, I appreciate that kind of assholishness. But, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did what they had to do, and it worked. And they realized that it's not that everyone likes Brock Lesnar. It's everyone loves Paul Heyman. And if you want everyone to hate Brock Lesnar, have Brock Lesnar put hands on Paul Heyman. Exactly. And that act will allow the fans to finally chant for Roman Reigns. The other important thing we got here was... The problem with that, though, is as soon as that's no longer part of the picture, it will go right back to Roman. (laughs) The other important fact of the night was Baron Corbin learned his lesson with Roman Reigns. And when Brock Lesnar stepped up, my boy Baron... Took the smart route and got the fuck out of the ring. I saw he that. Wanted- I was like, yeah, when the shit went down, Brock came to the ring. Baron Corbin didn't want them problems. And he <laughs> said, nope, I'm going to step on out of here. He's a smart man. <laughs> uh, he also had a clean win over Finn Balor on Monday Night Raw. Poor Finn. Was that on the Hulu version? Yes, it was. Well, let's talk about what might not be on the Hulu version okay. for this week's not good enough for Hulu. Uh, Apollo Crews versus Akam of the Authors of Pain. Apollo Crews beat Akam. Not good enough for Hulu. Um, let's see. Mm, what about Elias promoting his album and documentary and Bobby Lashley's interruption? No, I don't think so. Lashley interrupted. Um, Elias got him to sing with him, and then Elias attacked or Elias attacked Lashley from behind, and obviously Lashley, you know, got the upper hand, and Elias took off running. But I think I saw that on YouTube, but I don't think that made Hulu. Okay. Um, Bailey and Sasha versus the Riot Squad. Yes. Okay. Um, mm. I'm still waiting on that. On that. Uh, that. 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 That swerved to happen. And it will. This one. I'm looking forward to that pizza, one, by the way. I need you to make sure you send that in far enough advance so that I can eat it while I watch SummerSlam. But go ahead. If the swerve happens and they make the match, I'll send it right away. It has to happen before SummerSlam, though. Oh, yeah. Travis, this one is interesting because not only do I think it was not good enough for Hulu, but it also featured all of the wrestlers not good enough for Monday Night Raw. Mojo Raleigh was backstage running down listen, a listen. list of wrestlers. Before you even go through it, you know Mojo's never good enough for Hulu, but go ahead. He was running down a bunch of wrestlers, and those wrestlers included Rhino and Heath Slater, mm-hmm. The Ascension. Um, I got it right here. Rhino and Heath Slater, uh, Zack Ryder, and Kurt Hawkins, The Ascension, and Mike Kanellis backstage. And then Bobby Roode showed up, and they got into a brawl. I didn't even know Mike Kanellis was still under contract. Oh, he is. But, Travis, this is an amazing anomaly. A segment not good enough for Hulu featured all the wrestlers not good enough for Monday Night Raw. So, let me get this straight. Every member of the three-man band is actually on the Raw brand right now. That is correct. I don't know what to do with that information, but it's just interesting that they're all there. 
and they're not coming back. No, they're not. They're not. But I want to see them all be in the ring for some apparent, you know, stupid reason. And they just all end up in the ring together. And they just kind of look at each other. And they do a little guitar thing <laughs> for no reason. So, to and be then, clear, and, and then correct Drew McIntyre me. fucks them both up. Anyway, go ahead. What? To be clear, and then correct me if we move on and there's something I missed, because I think the rest should have been on Hulu. It might not have been. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Um, Cruz beating Akum, not good enough for Hulu. No. Um, Mojo backstage, not good enough for Hulu. And Elias and Bobby Lashley this week, not good enough for Hulu. Correct. All right. The B team. Oh, you know what? This probably wasn't good enough for Hulu either. Uh, B team came out, cut a promo. The Leaders of Worlds and the Revival showed up. And then the Revival had a match against the Leaders of Worlds where the Revival beat them. No. Of course. Revival, B team, the Leaders of Worlds, still not good enough for Hulu unless it's a title match. But. B stands for dreams, Travis. Elaborate. That is what Bo Dallas said. The B and B team stands for dreams. Listen, listen, let's, let's just take a moment to appreciate Bo. All right. Like just. Because even when he first arrived, when the whole Bo Leave thing started and people just really didn't like it, I was with it. Because I'm just like, yo, this is obnoxious and stupid and I love it. But nobody else was with it. And I felt like I was all alone. That's because a lot of people didn't have the exposure to Bo Dallas in NXT when he was Neither NXT champion. I. But I know. But, Travis, you would love Bo Dallas in NXT as NXT champion and then trying to get his title back. He literally dressed up as a luchador and tried to sneak back into NXT under William Regal's nose to get a title match, to win his title back after he was kicked out. There's a whole like 10 minute fucking thing where they're trying to make him leave and they kicked him out because he lost the loser leaves town match and he was no longer to be on NXT and he wouldn't leave and he kept fighting and crying and why dude, it's fucking hilarious. Bo Dallas is absolutely great. He is a treasure. Um, Natalia lost to Alicia Fox, who made her return to Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. And the reason I think this was on Hulu was because it featured Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronda chased Alexa around God, and eventually got knocked down by Fox, who uh, now next week we get our very first match on Monday Night Raw from Ronda Rousey against Alicia Fox. Yeah, good to see Foxy back on Raw. I enjoyed it. And she manhandled Ronda Rousey, which is a good look for her. She picked her up and whipped her real hard into that barricade. I mean, any look is a good look for her, but, you know. <laughs> Those legs, right? I'm a leg man. Yeah, you know it. Uh, I mentioned Bailey and Sasha versus the Riot Squad. Bailey and Sasha won. They had matching gear. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are, are the boss. Y'all up. Ooh, they are setting y'all up. I they are the love boss. Happens. Hmm? They are the boss and hugs connection. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thing. We don't have women's tag titles, so they just set you all up for the Okadoke, and the swerve is going to come, and I'm going to sit back and smile when it happens, and you just remember that I told you so. The only swerve is going to be one of their sexualities, Travis, and it's going to swerve hard to the women's side. <laughs> uh, 
Jinder Mahal had a match against Braun Strowman that he won via countout when Kevin Owens showed up, stole the Money in the Bank briefcase, and then threw it at Samil Singh and ran away because Kevin Owens believes that, especially because Brock Lesnar was in the building, Braun Strowman should not be able to cash in his Money in the Bank until after SummerSlam, so that way he still has his chance to win it. Good old KO. Uh, he expresses to Baron Corbin who nonchalantly was like, listen, it's his fucking briefcase. We can do whatever he wants with it, but I'll talk to Steph for you. See what we can get done. Yo, how fucking boss would it have been though? This just tonight. Braun was just out there like, you know what? Yeah, let's cast this shit in right now. Let's go Brock. Like, <laughs> I was kind of hoping for that. Like when they were chanting Roman and he was ch- like, that was the one thing that bothered me about that whole segment is you're telling me that he's choking out Paul Heyman. He F fives Kurt Angle. And not Bobby Lashley, not Braun Strowman. Nobody in the back has got the balls to go down there. Well, because Bobby doesn't like Roman. I don't give a fuck what they said. Bobby don't like Roman. Fuck him. No, it's not about liking Roman. It's about wanting a piece of Brock Lesnar. Oh, I'm I'm good with Braun. If Braun had done it, that would have been fine. But Bobby has no reason to. Get a piece of Brock Lesnar and prove that he should be in that title match. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually is a great segue into SmackDown. Have you ever written on a segue? I've never ridden on a Segway. It's odd. But anyway, it's a great segue into SmackDown because our women's title match had a competitor added to it when Charlotte made her return to SmackDown Sorry, to help out Becky Lynch. Thing. I didn't hear a word you just said, actually. No, that, I just saw my dog like in the background just jump up on the couch, and it was funny. I'm sorry. I wasn't ready killing for me, it. Travis. I'm, I know. I'm on a roll and you just keep fucking. I know. Just, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Becky Lynch and Carmella had a great segment where Carmella poured her heart out, sounded sincere as shit, and then did the typical heel move where James Ellsworth's music hit and then she attacked Becky from behind. Did you not see that coming, though? Like, not necessarily, oh, not, not necessarily the Ellsworth thing, but did you not see the turn coming when she just... Oh, no, I absolutely yeah. saw it coming because the problem with this is it's the same thing they do with Alexa Bliss all the time. So now I'm conditioned to it. When you have a heel female champion who's as good on the mic as Alexa or Carmella, and they're doing this turning a new leaf thing, I know the heel turn's coming. I didn't expect it to be Ellsworth. I expected her to laugh and kind of do more of an Alexa Bliss thing and be like, I got you all. I don't give a shit. I'm the champ. Who cares if you guys think I can't wrestle, blah, 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 blah. And she didn't. She did it her own way, which is good, but I did see it coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, The point of this was Charlotte showed up, came to Becky's save, uh, and then we had a match between Charlotte versus Carmella for Travis's favorite kind of match. Winner gets to face the champion at SummerSlam. And, if, you, uh, if you beat the champ, you get to face the champ. Like, just... I have to say, I don't understand why everyone gives Carmella a hard time. This was a very good match that I actually saw Carmella winning a couple times. And then Charlotte pulled out the victory in the end. So now it is a triple threat match, which Becky Lynch does not seem too happy about. I wouldn't be happy about it either. Like, you turn your one-on-one match into a triple threat, now you can lose the match without being involved. It's like, yo, fuck you. So this is a perfect scenario, Travis. Let's say the Polish Hammer, Phil Stosik, is the champion. Travis Pointer beats him and gets a match at SummerSlam for the championship. Your best friend, Matt Ritter, comes back from injury, saves your ass, and then gets himself inserted into... 
Hey, she was getting beat up. Charlotte came down, ran Carmella off. I have a question. Yeah. Define injury. She was hurt and away. I don't remember exactly what she was hurt, but it wasn't anything serious. Yeah, she ruptured her breast implant. But anyway, go ahead. Injuries and injury, she can't wrestle. So I mean, I rupture, I rupture a breast implant, Travis. I come back. Well, you don't have breasts, so like you rupture a dick implant. Continue. I I do have breasts. They're right here. Oh, you got man titties. That's different. You don't produce milk, anyway, so they're not breasts. I come back. I save the day. I get a match, and I get in. Uh, I get injected into your match at SummerSlam. So now, not only do you get to go to SummerSlam and fight for the title, but you get to do it with your best friend there, too. And you're not happy about that? No, fuck you. Wait till next month. <laughs> so you and me can go at it for the title? Yeah, yeah. I'll fight you one-on-one next month after I win it. Fuck you. you you're not getting in on my match. Fuck that. Uh, I disagree. That's I think fine. That- but if, if I'm challenging for the title... It makes it that much more difficult for me to win the title if another person is injected into the match. So no, well, I don't want ask you this. in there. Do I'll you face play- you next month. Like you know, after this is over, with, I'll beat him and then I'll win the title and I'll give you a shot next month. I'll even give you a shot the next Tuesday on fucking SmackDown, whatever the fuck. But you're not getting in on my title match. Well, let me ask you this: Do you blame me for taking my chance when it was presented to me? No, I don't blame you for that. I blame okay. the GM for letting you do it. And it wasn't just the GM that let her do it. It was the GM that made the match because Paige was not happy about some of the things Carmella had to say to her, including the fact that one thing Carmella is that Paige will never be again is champion. That was low, but I loved it. Like It was just like (laughs) that was so fucked up. But at the same time, it's like that is perfect for her character, and I loved it. And like I said, Paige retorted real quick with, okay, that's fine. You've got a match tonight with Charlotte, and if she wins, it's a triple threat match for yeah, your that's title. That's the problem. So like, yeah, in that she screwed over Carmella, but she also ended up kind of screwing over Becky at the same time. And it's just like, if I'm Becky, I'm like, really, Paige? Really? Really? Yeah. Really? <sighs> Another team that's getting an opportunity to get an opportunity for the tag team titles on SmackDown is The Bar after they beat The Usos. To advance in the tag team tournament. So next week it is the bar versus the New Day with the winners going on to challenge the Bludgeon Brothers and they at won SummerSlam. Clean. What? I said, and they won clean too. Yeah, they did. So yeah. What is who I know who you want to win, but who do you <laughs> think is gonna win, Travis? I mean, who really wants to see the bar versus you know, versus the Bludgeon Brothers like that's who wants to see that at SummerSlam. They're they're not nearly as entertaining as the New Day. They want the New Day on that show. They're the most entertaining thing on SmackDown. Like just, they want them on that show. It's gonna be the New Day. Speaking of entertaining, Samoa Joe came out. Uh, we were absent AJ Styles this week, but he cut Joe. a brutal promo. Joe, yes, short, sweet, to the point. Fucking Joe. Yes. Pretty much said, don't worry, AJ. I'm going to go to SummerSlam. I'm going to take your title, and you can go home and spend time with your family. Yes. Like, Joe. Why you cut him like that, Joe? <laughs> like, damn. You ain't have to do him like that. I loved it, though. I really did. We also had a Daniel Bryan Miz segment that I think was going really well until they introduced all the crying babies. And I think from that point, it went downhill like yeah, that was. Yeah. I didn't need kind that. of unnecessary. Didn't need that at all. 
but everything else was great. Them going back and forth, the insults, the jabs, the heated argument. They're really building towards this match, making it feel like something. The Miz is really cutting into Daniel Bryan more and more each and every week. Like I said, it was just the crybaby thing was. If, well, when this match happens at SummerSlam, will they both do the yes kicks? I kind of hope yes. And it's the yes kicks and the it kicks, Travis. And the difference for them is like the difference between me and the rack. All right. So it's the yes kicks and the what? The it kicks. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean. The yes kicks are as similar to the it kicks as I am to the rack. So they're very different. So they're completely different. I got you. I got you. Perfect. Uh, your girl, Thea Trinidad, a.k.a. Zelina Vega, had a match against Lana this week, and she Interesting won. Interesting choice. What do you mean? For her to have her debut like match on television, I would think they put her up against somebody that can make her look a lot better than Lana could. I, I could see that. I don't think she's going to be doing a lot of wrestling. I think she's going to primarily be Andrade's manager. Um, kind of the same thing in NXT. She had one match down in NXT. Everything else was her being a manager. And the best stuff I saw from her was when she was attacking Andrade's opponents when the ref's back was turned more than I saw in her match against Candice LeRae. She was, but she, she was great to watch when she was in TNA. But go ahead. She did get a win. And this furthers the conflict between Rusev, Lana, and Aiden English because Aiden English came down to help Lana, essentially kind of cause Lana to lose, I guess, but not really. Let's talk about this for a second. Mostly I want to talk about Rusev's comments afterwards when he said, you know, if I was there, you, that wouldn't have happened. Then why the fuck weren't you there? Yeah, like, I was the same thing. When I'm watching, it's like, so you mad, so you not out there with your wife while she's having a match and she lost, and now you're saying, if I was there, that wouldn't have happened. Then you should have fucking been there. Like, I agree. Clearly, it sounds like you're the one that's fucking up here, bro. Now, if I thought Aiden was trying to get in my wife's pants, I might have been a little mad that he ran down there and got involved and then cost her the win, but I don't think that's the no, issue. No, I think he's them. more trying to get into Rusev's pants than hers. Yeah, exactly, so... Yeah, he should have been down there, and Lana's like, you know what? You need to figure out what's best for Rusev Day, but Lana could have used you. Aw, puppy. Does he make a lot of uh, podcast appearances? Um, Well, you know, we haven't had a lot of, you know, video stuff before now, but every now and then he'll pop up just, you know, he wants attention, so I just, you know, pet him a little bit, then he's all right. He's got that serious underbite going on. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last but not least for SmackDown, Jeff Hardy called out Randy Orton, and Randy Orton made his way to the ring, and Shinsuke showed up, and Shinsuke attacked Jeff Hardy, and then it got really weird because Randy got in Shinsuke's face and kind of stared him down, but then he let Shinsuke attack him, and then he got in Shinsuke's face again, and then he just proceeded to beat the living dog shit out of Jeff Hardy for like five minutes. Right now, Jeff Hardy is his target, but he also had to let Shinsuke know I ain't buying no bullshit from you either. So, when I'm done with Jeff Hardy, stay the fuck away from me or I'm moving on to you. Like That's that's what it seemed like to me. Okay. 
because we got you know we got heel Randy Orton back, which is my favorite Randy Orton because I've already told you before. Randy Orton has two emotions, angry and mad. So he's better as a heel. Fair enough. Travis, what is the travesty of the week this week? And you know, earlier today I had it and I've forgotten already. Um, The travesty of the week. I don't know. Let me think about it a little bit more. Let's just keep talking. All right. Well, uh, next we're going to do who's going over and who's jobbing out. Going over this week, I'm going to go ahead and give it to good old Charlotte for making her return and getting into the into the women's title match. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you know what? I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on on Raw. Other than Corbin getting that clean win over Balor, but he also got knocked out by Roman Reigns, so that's kind of like a wash. And uh, yeah, everything else. I mean, SmackDown. I got wise. the travesty. What? I have the travesty of the week. All right. Well, who's jobbing out? Jobbing out right now is Jeff Hardy. Okay, I am. Uh, I'm going to go with Kurt Angle. Yeah, that's a good one, too. What's Travesty of the Week? The Travesty of the Week is them denying me another Usos versus New Day match. Uh, there is one thing, because I tend to do this a lot. Uh, one match I missed on Monday Night Raw, and that was Rollins versus McIntyre. That Rollins won by DQ. And uh, then we had Dolph that. attack Rollins really backstage. I think you made that up. Is that real? No, that's real. I don't remember that. I'm not saying it wasn't on the Hulu version, but I just don't even remember it happening. Dolph attacked Rollins backstage, and there were a lot of jokes and memes about how Dolph was dressed like uh, circa early 2000s, 99 era Chris Jericho. He was Jericho's doppelganger. Yeah, he kind of did look like that. All right, Travis. Let's talk SummerSlam 1994. I'm out of alcohol. Anyway, go ahead. SummerSlam 1994 is the first event to take place in the United Center. Let's just talk about the United Center for a second. The United Center gave us three. It's three. NBA championship from the GOAT. Michael Jeffrey motherfucking Jordan. All right. All you LeBron James stands out there that say LeBron's the GOAT, fuck you. You're wrong. Okay? You're wrong. I'll say it again. You're wrong. Chances are if you say LeBron's the greatest, it's because you never actually watched Jordan play. All right? You may have seen clips. That's not the same as actually watching him play. I know this isn't wrestling related. Just, Just bear with me for a second here. Jordan's the GOAT. I know you see LeBron play right now. I'm like, there's no way anybody could have been better than that. Jordan was better than that. That's it. Go ahead. Well, I'm actually going to steal that for a second and uh, use it as a segue. 
as we said, the United Center is the or SummerSlam 94 was the first event to take place in the United Center. And before the GOAT of the NBA, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, step foot in the United Center to play. Six hitting things. Go ahead. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be of the WWF had a steel cage match against his little brother. Had let him know what the fuck was up too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great long match. The only issue I had with this steel cage match is the ending of the steel cage match where they're both on the outside of the cage and neither one of them just jumped down. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not my issue. After Jim Neidhart, who was working with Owen Hart this night, got in there and they were beating the shit out of Brett and all of the Hart brothers. Yeah, somehow and the, the two of them held off him. the entire family from climbing into the cage. Yeah. But you can clearly see like them stop climbing. It's <laughs> yeah. like you're not really trying to save Brett. Like yeah. either you don't want to get in yeah, there. Yeah, you clearly are not really hard. trying right now. Yeah. Like you're just you're faking. Like yeah. you're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna come sit. No, you just wanted to look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The only person that really tried was uh, British Bulldog, and it was a uh, that was a good. Uh, Good time for British Bulldog. R.I.P. R.I.P. We had Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler as announcers, and Jerry the King Lawler was... Listen, listen, listen. I forgot about Vince doing play-by-play. Like, I knew it happened, but I, I had just forgotten all about it. I hadn't thought about it in years. And it's just like, oh, Vince did used to do play-by-play. I remember that. I'm sorry, go ahead. I interrupted you. I was just going to say that we had Vince on play-by-play and Jerry the King Lawler was the color commentator. They were introduced in the beginning by the Macho Man Randy Savage, and this was classic heel Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I missed that. I missed that so much. Also, throughout the entire show, we had Leslie Nielsen running around backstage trying to find The Undertaker. Yes. Because why the fuck not? (laughs) Travis, I got to say, we talked about Bret Hart and Owen Hart in a steel cage match. And if that's not a big enough match to get you to be like, okay, I'm going to go check this out. And by the way, guys, it was the good cage. It was the old school steel blue barred cage that's zip tied together. None of this fucking chain link mesh shit. Like the shit that if you get thrown into, you're going to bust a fucking tooth out. That cage, I wish they'd bring that cage back. Let me just point out one thing. Them calling the 15-foot high steel cage is bullshit. That's not 15 (laughs) feet high. Unless they're talking about 15 foot high, like if you're talking like from the bottom of the ring up to the top, that might be 15 feet. But like if you can like reach the top, if you just stand in there and just jump up and grab it, that's not 15 feet high. Because there's like seven foot tall centers that have to jump up to reach 10 feet. All right. I was just are you trying to say British Bulldog doesn't have uh, 15 foot hops. No, he does not. He does not have a 15 foot vertical. All right. You don't know that. You I do know that because nobody has a 15 foot vertical. All right. <laughs> so that Jordan could have jumped up there. No, no, not even his Royal Airness could have jumped 15 feet high. All right. So outside of that, though, I really did enjoy that match. Like it was good to see it again. I remember watching it. 
I want to say like in like 97, 98, just I had a tape of it. I rented from the video store. Remember video stores, kids? I know you I don't. Do. But like people our age remember video stores. I had a tape of that SummerSlam that I watched. And I remember watching it with a couple of people. And us watching like it was like something brand new, like we had never seen it before. And getting so fucking hyped when Brett won, it was fucking awesome. I remember that shit. It's great. And then so bummed when he got his ass beat. Yeah, yeah, it didn't matter. He won the match. <laughs> it was a great feud. It was a great match. And also, let's remember, this is pre-Attitude Era. Like, we have not actually, in 1994, we're nowhere near kicking into the Attitude Era. Not even close. We don't even start kicking into the Attitude Era for another two, two and a half years. It was like end of 96, early 97 before we really that got wasn't even really, Kickoff of the Attitude Era was the end of 97 when Brett got screwed. Well, Goldust is credited with starting the Attitude Era, and Goldust, a lot of people, including that Attitude Era documentary that they have on there, and he himself. Yeah, they don't. Of course, he credits himself, but yeah, whatever. It's it really kicked off when you know when that whole thing with Brett went down. He punched Vince in the face. At that point, it's just like, okay, here we go. All right, fair enough. They can say what they want, but that's when the real attitude era started was at that point. I feel like I need that on a shirt. I say fair enough so much. I just need a shirt that says fair enough. Listen, stop pitching me merch, all right? We we like we don't have that much money, all right? Hey, I'm just giving you ideas, Travis. Yeah, what up? Um, our first match of the night, we saw the Head Shrinkers take on Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS. Bam! Which is fitting because we are doing that best tag team tournament on the Smack and Raw Facebook page, and we allowed the Head Shrinkers in a qualifier match to take on their predecessors, the Wild Samoans, one of which, who was at ringside with Captain Lou Albano, managing the Head Shrinkers in this match. Um, My boy Rikishi. I forgot. Well, I didn't forget that Rikishi was fought too, but I did forget that Bigelow was part of the Million Dollar... Million Dollar Corporation? Yeah. Yeah. Out there with uh, I mean, Bray Wyatt, we don't really Daddy. appreciate the million dollar man and all he brought us. All right, like it's just—he's another one. Like yo, I miss the million dollar man. Well, the million dollar man is the one constant thread through SummerSlam 1994. We go from his team of Bigelow and IRS beating the Head Shrinkers, who we found out at the beginning of the show, the Head Shrinkers had just lost their tag team titles to Shawn Michaels and Diesel. To Diesel attitudes. Yep, Diesel is the Intercontinental Champion here, and he has a match. Travis, is it weird for you to know that Walter Payton was featured on the very first live event in the United Center before Michael Jordan had an event at the United Center? Well, I think that happened because they couldn't get Michael Jordan. Like, I really feel like that's why that happened was because they couldn't get Michael Jordan. So And Dennis Rodman wasn't a thing yet, and he was an NWO fan when he was. Well, even then, he didn't play for the Bulls yet. He was still, you know, I think he was playing for the San Antonio Spurs at that time. That's what I meant by he wasn't a thing yet. Was it the Spurs or the Pistons? I know he was. He played for the Pistons first, and then he moved to the Spurs. Okay. He started Um, coloring his hair when he played for the Spurs. Razor Ramon. Came out with Walter Payton. Diesel came out with Shawn Michaels. Razor Ramon beats Diesel. Scott Hall pins Kevin Nash. 
with Shawn Michaels at ringside for the Intercontinental title. Yeah, but how did that happen? What do you mean, how did that happen, Travis? Shawn Michaels kicked Diesel in the face. Uh-huh. And that was the setup for that whole feud between the two of them. Why would Shawn Michaels do something like that? He, It was an accident. Yeah, I'm Things sure happened. it was. I'm sure it was. Um, I was talking about the threat of the Million Dollar Man throughout the pay-per-view. Uh, this led to a feud between Tatanka and Lex Luger where Tatanka had been toting for weeks. I remember this. Like, I remember watching this as it unfolded. But go ahead. That Lex Luger was going to join the Million Dollar Corporation. And it turns out at the end of this match. What? They said he sold out. Oh, yeah. He sold out. He was joining the Million Dollar Corporation. And at the end of the match, it's actually Tatanka who sold out. He beats Luger and then beats down Luger and joins the Million Dollar Man and the Million Dollar Corporation. Because everyone has their price. I'll avoid making an Indian casino joke here. Continue. I was going to make a insensitive joke, too. You have to watch me. I've been watching Roast Battle on Comedy Central, mm. and I've been listening to a lot of very insensitive, fucked-up yeah, shit. You so now it's like in my mind and on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, we don't, we don't have the kind of clout to get away with that shit. So keep that to yourself. I'll try. Uh, we had Mabel, who would be later known uh, as Viscera, take on Jeff Jarrett. Let Jared. me just point out, as I watched this, I realized we made a fatal mistake. When we By not putting men on the mission in the tag team tournament? That, them, and the smoking guns. Well, we decided that only one, or uh, if there is a team that features... Uh, wrestler, that wrestler cannot be in the tournament twice. So you, you can't have Billy and Bart Gun and the New Age Outlaws. That's dumb. Sorry. No, you're not, but that's fine. Go ahead, continue. It's also why we didn't have the APA and Doom. That's dumb. Continue. <laughs> All right. How'd you like Mabel and Jeff Jarrett? Um, Good seeing Mabel, Viscera. Big Daddy V again, you know. Um, Men on a Mission was kind of like a early New Day. Kinda, kinda. Not as not as entertaining as the New Day, but kind of like that same vibe. Stop being racist, but yeah. I'm just talking about happy, bright <laughs> just colors. Fucking with you, dude. I'm just fucking with you. It's okay. <laughs> They're all black. I mean, same vibe. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I remember with men on a mission, actually a feud involving the smoking guns when they got pissed off after losing to them and fucked up the smoking guns. And like afterwards, I think it was like on a Monday night raw or, or, you know, some show they're like, yo, we're going to apologize. Like, yo, you know, smoking guns. We're sorry. We never want to do that again. And they fucked him up again. And it's just like, yes, because fuck them. Who gives a shit? <clears throat> um, we had a women's title match on this pay-per-view Alundra and Blaze. Alundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano and if you guys have not watched SummerSlam 90, 1994 in a while please go back and watch it because WWE doesn't get credit for what the women's division was doing in the early 90s 
as much as it should, especially with this women's revolution. It makes it seem like there never was a women's division I mean, until now. Let's be honest. Back then, the women's division was just Alondra Blaze versus woman from Japan. Pulling the count out. Well, it was it was wasn't just her, but like it was basically just Alondra Blaze versus whatever this other woman is from Japan. Yeah, uh, it is, but it, they still had decent, not even decent. That was a good match. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. A they had good matches. Match. Like Alondra Blaze put on good matches with whoever they put her in the ring with. Of course, they didn't. They but in the end, they really didn't have a division. They just bring in somebody from Japan or some shit to go up against Alondra Blaze. All right. Match of the night, Travis. And this is actually where I was going to go, but I decided to go with the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be instead. Undertaker versus Undertaker. From the first match, the Million Dollar Man had the Million Dollar Corporation. Right in the middle of the pay-per-view, he gets the Tonka. And here at the end of the match, he brings out his very own Undertaker Mm -hmm. to take on Paul Bear's Undertaker. And now, guys, if you guys don't know this, I don't know if you can, can you see the urn back there. Yeah, we, I can see the urn, sir. Yeah, yeah. The Undertaker is my favorite wrestler of all time. You don't say. I had no idea. This story where he was put in the casket at the Royal Rumble, the double wide, double deep casket. Meant the, for Yokozuna. <laughs> meant for Yokozuna. The cheesy graphics at the end where you see the body electrified. And then he rises up over peace, rises up out of the Titan Tron and up above it. This whole thing, Paul bearer looking for him in the cemetery, the million dollar man going to cemetery and saying he found him the giant flashlight inside the old. Did you see how big that fucking urn was? Mm -hmm. Was that urn always that fucking big? Um, it varied. They they changed the urn, but they had to fit a mag light in there. So, you know. <laughs> Big ass fucking light. All theatrics. Fantastic. And, Travis, do you know who Million Dollar Man's Undertaker was? I forgot the name. Um, Brian something, right? Adams. Brian Adams, yeah. Do you know why you know who Brian Adams is? Yeah, Chronic. He was also, I believe, Chains, um, and he played the Demon in WCW for its first two appearances. Um, and he was, I think he was part of the NWO. I don't know if he's Brian Adams in the NWO, but I think he was a member of the NWO for I a don't, bit. Um, I think briefly, you know, like when they like, yeah, later on. Yeah, I think so. I looked this up earlier. And I'm going to look it up now because we still got a little time. Uh, One-time WWF Tag Team Champion, WCW World Tag Team Champions two times. Uh, he was known as... Oh, he was Crush. That's who the fuck he was. Mm-hmm. He was Kona Crush. He was Crush. Um, Brian Adams, the Demon, blah, 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 blah. And in WCW... If I can ever get down there. Keep talking, Travis. Oh, yeah. New World Order uh, from 1998 to 1999. Mm, yeah, he joined later. I remember that. Like, he joined like after the split. Yeah. How did you like The Undertaker versus The Undertaker match? 
it's one of those things when I watched it, like I watched the clips from the false Undertaker um, and then watched him against the real Undertaker. And I'm like, did they use the real Undertaker in those false Undertaker matches? I think they did. Because he's just like. The guy that was in the ring did not look like the guy that was in the ring. Exactly. I'm like, that doesn't look like the same guy. They used the real Undertaker in those matches. Yeah. Like, and it makes sense because why would they pay this other guy? instead of paying the actual Undertaker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, he needed some time off to recover from an injury and all that kind of stuff, a back injury, I think it was. But, um, yeah, like, it makes more sense to pay the actual Undertaker instead of paying this other dude to be the Undertaker for all that time. So, yeah, I think just in that match, he was being the Undertaker because he really didn't move like the Undertaker or anything like that during that match. Um, so, over... Overall, what are your thoughts on the product that was delivered for the 1994 SummerSlam? Well, one, it felt great to hear the Macho Man's voice again. Um, At the beginning of this podcast? Nah, nah, nah. That wasn't the Macho Man's voice. That was somebody very poorly attempting to imitate the Macho Man's voice. Freak out, freak out, yeah. Um. Anyway, the overall show I enjoyed a lot. Like we mentioned before, the steel cage match was good. I think that went on a little bit too long, but it was still good. I'll agree with that. Um, seeing Rikishi before he was Rikishi was fun. He was still fought to, and that's a racist, like not racist, but it's like taking an insult. And then making it racist, and then giving it to someone, like we're gonna call you fat, but we're gonna make you Samoan fat, and now that's your name. I mean, but Samoan fat is different from regular fat. It is, but still, it's like you're fat. No, you know what? You're Samoan, so you're not fat. You're fat too. And that's then your when name. we had Rikishi fat too. Like they changed it; they spelled it with a ph. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. It was good to see Rikishi. Um, think what else? Standouts. DiBiase, as always. Well, yeah, seeing the Million Dollar Man was always great. I enjoyed that. Wait, hold on. Let me look something. Because are you sure it was Brian Adams? Positive. Let me look this up. Because I remember reading about it a while back, and I didn't think it was Brian Adams. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Brian Lee. You are correct. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think that's the same. I don't think that's Brian Adams. I know it was Brian. And Brian Lee was Chains. Yeah, from, from, yeah, from, um, fucking, what do they call Skull and Eight Ball, Chains, what, what, what? DOA. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about to say, I know that it wasn't the same. It's not Brian Adams, but yeah. Um,. forgot what I was going before you before I threw myself off with that well when you said Brian Adams I assume you were working on the Undertaker versus Undertaker match well yeah but that just popped into my head because it was bothering me because like I didn't think that was who that was um anyway forget it overall show I enjoyed watching it again it was fun um 
Shame they didn't um, put the put the belt on Owen at that point, but it's whatever. Um, great. Great. Mm-hmm. One more. Great. Yep. All right, Travis. I also enjoyed that. So um, I was thinking about it. My original plan was to talk about SummerSlam 1998 next week because I saw a preview for it and I saw some of the matches and I was like, oh, yeah, that looks amazing. What I think I'm going to do, and for all of you listening, if you are not a member of the Smack and Raw Facebook page, please go to facebook.com slash groups slash Smack and Raw. Request to join the page. We will add you to the page because I am going to put up a poll. I'm going to see how long until people stop voting or whatever, um, which SummerSlam you guys want us to talk about. And I'll have four choices up there so you guys can pick from it. And probably by Monday, whatever has the most votes, that'll be the SummerSlam that we watch and talk about next Wednesday on the podcast. Or I can close it Sunday if you want so we have an extra day, Travis. I won't watch it till Monday anyway, so who gives a shit? All right, so you guys are going to vote on what SummerSlam you guys want to hear us talk about next week. I don't know. We'll see. Go ahead. You guys are going to vote on what SummerSlam you guys want us to talk about next week. So I will put those up there, give you the options. You decide what we watch, what we talk about next week. Um, As always, like I said, go there. Also, please, if you are listening and you have not done so yet, like, subscribe, and rate us. Leave us a comment. Let us know how you like us. If you don't like us, if you fucking hate us, just let us know and leave us a five-star rating to let us know how much you hate us. Yeah, really tell us how it. much you hate us and why you hate us, and then also leave your name, address, and all that so I can find you and talk to you about why you hate us. Travis, Creation Conversation is back. Anything else coming up that you're doing besides this podcast? Um... Well, new episode of Super Flashy Arrow of Tomorrow went live last week also. Talking about everything we heard from uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Um, yeah, that's it for now. All right. You guys can find me on Twitter at Matt Ritter. That is at M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R. You can find The Rack on Twitter. He hasn't been very active lately, but I hear he's going to be getting back into it at The Rack, that S-R-W, that is T-H-E-R-A-C-K-S-R-W. Travis, they can find you on Instagram and Twitter at Sir Cussalot. That is at S-I-R underscore C-U-S-S-A-L-O-T-T. And if you guys are a fan of the rack and you are a fan of video games and you have an Xbox, the rack is available for download. All you have to do is go search the tag S-R-W and you can find all of the Smack and Raw wrestling content available, including belts, characters, the rack himself, as well as me and Travis, for download and play, and the Smack and Raw wrestling assault arena. So go check that out. <laughs> you got anything That's else, Travis? It. That's it. All right, let's go home. All right. No, you got to say goodnight. See, you do this every week. Say goodnight, and then I say we are Smack and Raw, and we are that damn good. Look, what if I didn't want to say goodnight? What if I don't want them to have a good night? We are smacking it raw, and we are that damn good. <laughs>